Walking in sunlight all of my journey over the mountain through the deep air. Jesus has said I'll never forsake thee promise divine that never can fail heavenly Heavenly sunlight Flooding my soul With glory divine Hallelujah I am rejoicing Singing His praises Jesus is mine Shadows around Shadows Because he is ours. Jesus is mine. What a wonderful Savior. Psalm chapter 105. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing songs, psalms unto him. Talk ye of all of his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servant, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law 
and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. All right, turn with me this morning to Romans, the 8th chapter. Romans chapter 8. We've been looking at a few verses here in the beginning of Romans chapter 8 for uh, about a month now. We are going to continue here this morning. Romans chapter 8. And verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit, verse 2, of life, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. This is what we have been looking at the law of life the law of death alright now as we have been studying these few verses we've brought out a few things and I will try to go over uh, them quickly and we'll get into uh, today's lesson in just a few minutes. So we have realized that there is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and that law or principle of the spirit of life and that's basically what a law is. It's something to go by. It's a principle to believe, to know and to live by, right? That that law as Paul says here in verse 2, has made me free from another law. And the other law is the law of sin and death. We went to its origin. And we saw in the Garden of Eden where the law of sin and death began. And it began when God made it a law in the Garden of Eden and He told Adam not to partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that grew in the midst of the garden. And he said, In the day that you do eat thereof, you will surely, this is God speaking, you shall surely die. And we saw that that's exactly what happened. Yes, Eve was tempted. I don't think Adam was. I think Adam sinned on purpose to be with his wife. That's my opinion. And uh, we can, husbands can see that, how that could happen. But he disobeyed God. And God's law of sin and death, it's God's law now, it's not Adam's law, it's God's law. If you do this, you're going to die. But here we are, his descendants, so we realize that what happened was he was separated from God. And as we read in the book of Genesis, we see that they were driven out of the garden where they were able to be with and walk with God in the cool 
of the day. This is the law that Paul is teaching us and them at Rome that we have been made free from because of the action of the Son of God. Alright? What is the law of the Spirit of life? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't it? When God drove man from the garden, He said, lest man reach out his hand and take of the what tree of life, and he would not know this experience or this relationship with God that they had before. The law of sin and death took effect. Alright? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. What does God use to save sinners? He uses the account. I always want to call it a story, but it's true. So we'll call it an account of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. We're going to get a little deeper into this righteousness that Jesus Christ displayed, this favor that He earned from God for us a little bit later. But I want you to realize, uh, yes, He was God, but He was fully man too. He experienced the problems of life like you do and like I do. He experienced the pain of life like we haven't. And He did it for us. But see, He not only lived a sinless life, He not only did not break any of God's laws, but He lived a life with a pure mind. You see, He taught that sin comes from the heart. He taught that to look after uh, a woman and lust after her, or to hate your brother but not really hurt him, it was adultery or murder. See, he taught that it's what's in the heart that makes the difference. All right. The Holy Spirit is the author of the gospel, the author author of this book. Amen. This is God's book. Amen, if we don't believe it, it's just black words on white pages. Oh, but when the Spirit of God enlightens us, that it's us it's talking about in here. It's us that He hung on the cross for. Oh, it comes to life, doesn't it? Then we realize, as we taught in one of our previous lessons, that the righteousness... Oh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I? So we realize that the righteousness that is required of us in this new life is actually the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He lived the perfect life. God was pleased with Him. We haven't, and God wasn't pleased with us. We haven't lived a perfect life. God wasn't pleased with us. But Jesus lived that perfect life to satisfy God 
for you. He really is the only hope of eternal life. And the only alternative is eternal death or eternal separation from God. We humans have a little trouble grasping that eternal death because death to us seems like it's the end. That's all. But my brother and my sister, I'm here to tell you this morning, it's not all. You're an eternal creature already. God breathed life into Adam and he became an eternal life, an eternal creature. All right. The law of the Spirit of life is the way or the means that the Holy Spirit quickens a dead or separated sinner. It's a quickening. We are told that we are quickened by the Holy Spirit. That literally means to make alive. All right. Now, he identifies who he's talking about here by saying in verse 1, it's to them which are in Christ Jesus. In Him. How are we in Him? Well, we trust in Him. We believe in Him and the account that His Word gives us of Him. He Himself declared that He was the true manna that came down from heaven. What did the manna do? It fed them. It nourished them. It gave them life and kept them alive. And God provided it. The same is true with spiritual life. You see, we partake of Jesus Christ when we partake of His Word. When we remind ourselves of the Gospel and the fact that it applies to us, we're partaking of Him. And what does His Word do? It's manna from heaven. He is the Word, right? It's manna from heaven when we partake of the Word and we remind ourselves of what the Bible teaches. We're partaking of Him. And we are, in this description that Paul gives here, in Christ Jesus. How do we know? Because we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The Lord told Nicodemus, you must be born of water and of the Spirit, right? You have to be a human being, born of the water, and then you have to be a saved human being, born of the Spirit, enlightened by the Spirit. All right. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now notice that we are able to live for God. We are able to love Him and have an affinity for Him when after the Spirit enters us. Isn't that what He does when He saves us, when He quickens us and gives us life? How does He give us life? He imputes the Spirit of God into us. That's a whole nother big study, the doctrine of imputation. We're actually going to touch on it a little bit this morning too. All right. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Now you'll remember in this previous chapter what Paul was talking about. Verse 14 in chapter 7, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal. Sold under sin. Under 
the law of sin and death. We were born that way, right? Right, because Adam passed it on down to us. The law of the sin and death, we were under that. But Paul says that the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from that. Now I'm separated from that. There's a separation between the two that's not crossed. Oil and water does not mix. The carnal nature and the spiritual nature do not mix. Alright. Let's continue. So we looked at the daily application of God's Word also. How are we to live by God's Word? How are we to apply it to our daily needs? And we have daily needs, don't we? We have worries and concerns, don't we? We have pains, don't we? We have anguish. We have all these feelings from loss of loved ones. We, we all experienced it, even recently, the loss of loved ones. But the Lord tells us not to be depressed about that because He is God in control. And He's going to bring them back. He's going to come back to get us and they're going to rise and join us. Those that are in Christ. Those that believe and trust in Him. Alright. So we talked about do we need healing? Are we in pain? Well, if we go to God's Word and seek out the Scriptures about healing, God will heal us. And He will deliver us from the one who wants to hurt us and who wants to give us pain and who wants to bring us down and over into the law of the Spirit of life, you see. It applies to us now. This applied to us before. The law of sin and death applied to us before. I have to remember, I have this written on the board and people listening uh, on the Internet won't see it. If you only have the uh, audio portion of this sermon, let's call it, on my whiteboard I have law written at the very top. On the left I have the spirit of life. On the right, the law of the sin and death. And that's what I'm talking about. It's separated, and it's separated in you. Just as oil and water do not mix. If you need strength, go read Psalm 105 that... Brother Jane just read for us. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. For a while I had written up here on the board, Seek God, see change. It's a principle. It's a law, you see, of God. Oh, that we would seek Him in our needs. And I can promise you from experience that He does deliver. He does answer. Our prayer. By doing this daily, we are building our faith in Him, our confidence in Him as we partake of His Word. All right. The law of the Spirit of life is life. When we believe and follow these principles or these laws, we are made free from this sinful nature that's within us that is under the law of sin and death. We are made free. 
as Paul explains. All right. We looked at a few particular uh, principles of the law of the Spirit of life. One was the law of confession and how important it is as we realize, as Brother Chuck was talking earlier, who we are and who God is. And we know we realize it because God reveals it to us through His Spirit. We need to confess our sins. And we need to remember what God called sin, what Jesus Christ called sin. And it wasn't just the action of sin, was it? No, it was the desire in the heart, wasn't it? Yeah. He said that was sin too. As we do that, God strengthens us as we rely on Him and His righteousness. We looked at the principle or law of meditation, time in God's Word. So important. We looked at how powerful God's words are. Oh, I'll tell you, they were powerful. The Holy Spirit uses the foolishness of the preaching of this account of Jesus Christ to save souls. That's not not an easy task to save a soul. God had to send His Son and sacrifice Him for you and for me. But God did it because He loves us. Law of meditation is a command. If we love Him, He Himself said, if you love me, I'm going to tell you what to do. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I say. Obey. Trust and obey. The song says, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust Him and obey Him. We keep the Word of God in our heart. So important because we always need it. We always need Him. All right. So we looked at the carnal mind at being before the Spirit. We looked at the saved mind, the spiritual life that we now have as being after the Spirit. In God's economy, yes, God's in control. He's not... uh, What I want to say... He's not subject to time. So he knew you were going to be saved always. He wasn't waiting to see if you were smart enough or or anything like that. No, you've always been in the book of life because he's God. After the Spirit. That's important that we realize and give the holy credit his due. after the Holy Spirit is put within us. He hath he quickened, made alive, by the imputation, there's that word again, of the Holy Spirit. In times past you walked or lived according to the counsel of the world. Well, what's wrong with the way of the world? What's wrong with the counsel of the world? Here's what's wrong with it. It's led by the prince of the power of the air. He is the same enemy that tempted Eve. Same enemy with the same desire to twist God's Word so that He can tempt us to disobey it. It's the same enemy. He's still here. All right. 
In the third verse of Romans 8, we read, what, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. How many people since Adam have been saved by keeping the law? Zero. No one. Why? Because they were born with this sinful nature. They couldn't keep it. But praise God. He came for sin. Let's finish reading that. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, but not sinful. Notice this, and for sin. God sent His Son for sin. If sin hadn't existed, it wouldn't have been necessary. If we, any of us, could have kept the law, it wouldn't have been necessary. But none of us could. He sent Him for sin. What did Jesus come to do? He came to eliminate sin forever. And He's already eliminated the authority and power of sin and what it had over us before the Spirit of God entered us and applied His gospel to us. Oh, He took away the power and the authority of the law of sin and death. And that's what Paul's talking about when he says, this has, uh, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, verse 2, hath made me free from it. Free from the law of sin and death. I hope you realize it this morning and you feel free to obey God. All right, verse 4. Verse 4 is connected to verse 3. Once again, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, all flesh was sinful, none could keep the law. God sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned it. He condemned sin in the flesh. He pleased God with His sacrifice, didn't He? First, He pleased Him with His life. Then He voluntarily gave His life for you and for me. Why? Verse 4. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There's that identifier again. Who He's talking to. That the righteousness of the law Where is the righteousness of the law located? Who kept the law? One person. The Son of God, Jesus Christ. So where is the righteousness of the law? It's in Jesus Christ, isn't it? I'm sorry, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Notice that now. In us. Not by us, but in us. Well, what's in us? No, who's in us? Jesus lives within your heart if you believe in Him this morning. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Spirit. Well, what a thought. 
the righteousness of the law fulfilled in us. The Old Testament law, well, I think he's talking about the moral law. He's talking about the moral law, isn't he? Absolutely. The Old Testament was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. All of those sacrifices pointed to Him, but He came. And He fulfilled all of those prophecies about Him perfectly. No, it's a new covenant, isn't it? Where He places His Holy Spirit within the heart of those that believe in Him and trust in Him. Alright. And we've seen up here on the board this morning that the new nature is separated from the old nature. So is the righteousness of God fulfilled in you? It is. In that new creature... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new to he who knows the Lord. See? We delight in the law of God. Actually, let's just read that. Verse 22 in Romans 7. Still on the same page for me. Now, you remember what Paul was talking about? I read verse 14. Verse 15 says, For that which I do I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. So he is dealing with this nature against this nature. The old nature against the new nature. That's what he's dealing with. That's what you're dealing with every day. That's what I'm dealing with every day. Verse 17, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know, verse 18, that in me, that is, and he makes a point to point this out, that is, in my flesh, or in my fallen human nature, dwelleth no good thing. For to will... Is present with me. I want to do good, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. There's that battle. Now if I do that, I would not, verse 20, it is no more that I, I that do it. I'm getting in a hurry. Now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Praise God, He's coming back. And the Bible tells us that when we see Him, we're going to know Him because we're going to be like Him. Oh, but praise God, there's going to be one side of us that's going to be missing. And that's that old nature. Because Jesus Christ came to earth to abolish it, and He did. He did away with sin. Oh, we delight in the law of God. Oh, I still didn't get there. Verse 21. I find then a law. That's what we've been studying about, the two laws. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Praise the Lord. Do you delight in the law 
of God this morning. If you do, you can praise Him for it. Because you've been given a new nature that loves Him. The only way you love God is because He first loved you. Jesus said, No man cometh unto me except the Father which sent me, remember, to do away with sin, draw him or her. All right. So keeping the moral law requires holiness of nature. Jesus Christ had that. He had holiness of nature. I believe Adam and Eve had it before they sinned against God. Let me tell you, we have a new nature. In the letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul says to put on the new man. Put on the new man. Again, only Jesus kept God's law perfectly. He was sinless in thought, word, and deed. So, I mention the righteousness being fulfilled in us and not by us. The reason is the righteousness that God the Father accepted and accepts today is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's it. If He accepts us this morning, it's because the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been imputed to us in this new life. Yes, we are righteous in Him and only in Him. As Paul just told us in Romans 7, there's nothing good in our nature. Oh, but there's a lot good in our new nature. And God has given it to us freely. What a Savior. What a God who's provided everything. He has provided the true manna from heaven. Praise God. He loved you that much. We've all got children, most of us. How would it feel to sacrifice your own child? Think Abraham believed in God? Think he trusted God? He was about to slay his son Obey in obedience to the Word of God, wasn't he? But God saw his heart. He trusted in God. Oh, all those years he'd waited for that son. A bunch. A hundred. A lot of years. He had a son that uh, kind of came about by a design from him and his wife, but it wasn't by God's design. He had to wait, didn't he? Yes, he waited. And then God required that son but only to test his faith. And yes, Abraham believed in God, but he would have sacrificed his only son if God told him to. But he didn't have to. Isaac asked him, he said, Father, there's, there's everything we need, but where's the lamb? 
God said, son, God will provide himself a lamb. And that's exactly what he did. He provided himself. His son, who's one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, as the sacrificial lamb. No spot, no blemish, perfect. And he gave him up for you. What a Savior.